I guess it's fitting uh, that our theme is this, remember and celebrate. So today's just going to be about me, and I'm just, yeah, thanks. Uh, no, but uh, it is just a sense fitting as we think about, hey, we wanted today to be a day that we remember what God has done, and we celebrate the great work that he has done, right? And that's what we want to be, be about. It's actually even something that our, our children's ministry does on a regular basis, that they have these days uh, that they, every about six, seven weeks or so, that they remember and celebrate. They stop learning uh, new things and pause and reflect upon the things that they have learned over that, that last six weeks. And so that's kind of the, the heart that we want to have for today, is that we have that same sort of, of rhythm or pattern, that we would remember and celebrate what God has done. And uh, there's even um, a, a thought in the Old Testament, in the Scriptures, with God and the people of Israel, where he often says to them, remember, don't forget. Remember this, don't forget, because we are prone to forget. And so let's read some of these old words together. Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8.2. You can turn there. You can just listen. It won't be on the screen. It's fine, okay? But uh, if you'd like to read along, Deuteronomy 8.2. And God says, You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. That God is saying to them, remember where you've come from. Remember what's happened. And then in my Bible, if I just turn to the next page, to verse 11 in Deuteronomy 8, it says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today. Otherwise, now catch this, otherwise, when you've eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So he says, remember, remember what God has done, and don't forget when everything starts going well. Like, while life has been hard, it was easy for you to remember. And I think that's how it is for most of us. Like, when life is hard, we cry out to God, right? When life is hard, we remember God. But then, when life gets easy, it becomes more likely that we start to depend on our own selves, or maybe we even think that it was our own strength and our own power uh, and our own money or whatever that is that, we, that took us to the place that we're at. So we remember, he says, don't forget. Remember, don't forget. And, and we see this pattern. We see this pattern in the scriptures. Even at, in creation, on the seventh day, God rests. And he says, it's good, right? It's very good. So we remember, we stop, we remember and celebrate. And out of that comes the practice of the Sabbath, that we would have a Sabbath day where we would say, all right, on the Sabbath day, I will pause. On the Sabbath day, I will rest. And I no longer think about my own work and my own efforts. I stop that, and I begin to reflect on the holiness of God, the strength of God, the provision of God. And, and we glorify God for who he is and what he's done on the Sabbath. And then you have, you know, feasts like Passover, where Passover was this, this feast where the people of Israel would and still do stop and have a celebration, and have a time of remembering how God brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the bondage of slavery. 
And so God instituted a bit of a, of a rhythm and a pattern of, of several feasts. And if you've got your bulletins on the outline there, on the back, the digging deeper part has a list of what those feasts are and just a, a brief description of what they are, where you can find them in Leviticus 23, kind of the core passage of where those feasts are found. And even in the next steps, there's a suggestion of a book if if you would want to maybe even incorporate some of those practices into your life. We are not obligated under the law, as we've been talking about for the last three months, okay? You're not obligated under the law to celebrate these feasts. But if it could be helpful to you, like it was, I think, for the people of Israel, that they would say, okay, we're going to have these set moments throughout the year where we stop, and we remember something that God has done, and we celebrate what he has done as well, right? And so that kind of rhythm is then what we've seen maybe in more of, of the Christian realm since the time of Jesus, that we saw some of the Christian liturgical calendar developed where you have these moments where then people, we would pause and we would remember. And like the big, the big ones of Christmas and Easter, right? Good Friday and Easter. And we, we stop and we celebrate, we remember. We remember Jesus' birth. We remember his death. We remember his resurrection. And we celebrate those things. And, and they're all celebrated in sometimes different ways that are appropriate to, you know, to the moment. And so that is something that God established for his people and I think for us that we would have ways, both in our own homes and in our gatherings as the church, of how we stop and we remember and celebrate what God has done. And so today is, we're going to be doing a bit of that, right? And I want you to enjoy what we're doing today and, and remember and celebrate today, but I also want you to think about all of this as maybe a practice that you can begin to, to have in your own life, of just considering whether that's just your, your Sabbath day, you know, that you don't just think of it as a day to do chores, your day off, or a day to go do all the activities that you love. But in the midst of doing those, some of those activities, that you would have a time of pause and reflection and to remember what God has done and to celebrate that. Um, one thing that, uh, like, just a little story about, about astronauts, okay, and, and with, like, with rocket, rocket space travel is there's, there's the whole moment, the big dramatic moment of the launch, Right? Like, we all love to go and you like to see, I know, I love those videos, right, where they show the launch and it's just the space shuttle launch. You've just got the smoke and fire going everywhere. It's this amazing thing, right? That is the big dramatic moment. And, and even before that moment, there's been so much work that has gone into that moment, right? That the whole flight path and plan has been established and there's work and all that's sort of predetermined for them, right? And they're going to go along, this astronaut that then gets in this spaceship and then just launches this crazy amazing thing. But then along the way, you know, I mean, they're like the pilot, right? Let's say he's just flying or she is flying. And there's these moments, they say, like, we're not really doing any more big dramatic things. But it's all very slight adjustments. A, 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 a soft burn of the rockets just to give a little bit of a course correction, right? As they're going along. And it's all of those moments, are all those moments are just as important as the big dramatic launch. And I think that's kind of what this remember and celebrate thing is all about. That we would consider that along the way, we make some slight adjustments and course corrections. Now, there could be our, our salvation moment, our conversion. That might have been a dramatic launch moment. Or there's other certain things in our lives where we have these big moments. But those little course corrections are just as important 
You know, a lot of people will talk about, you know, like sermons and preaching, you know, being maybe not as important because you think about, oh, like five years ago, can I remember, you know, the three sermons I heard in August, right? Probably not. Uh, uh, But what I would want to say to us is that those might not be as dramatic, but they're important in the sense of the course corrections along the way. I think back to five years ago in August, can I remember all of the meals that I had in that month? I would tell you, no, I can't. I might remember my birthday meal, you know, but that was a dramatic one. But I can't remember all the little meals. But I needed each and every one of those meals to be alive today. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so we remember, we celebrate, we remember these course corrections even that we've had along the way. And we've been in this series of the book of Galatians for the last few months. And, you know, I want you to even, maybe you think back and you're like, do I remember anything from this? (laughs) Do I remember anything of this Gospel of Freedom series? And what I'd hope for you right now, what we're going to do is we'll have just an opportunity to to watch this video that, that recaps some of the highlights from this last series. As we think about these important concepts of, are we, are we under the law? Do we have to keep the law? Or do we just have complete license to do whatever we want? The deeds of the flesh, all of that. Or do we keep in step with the Spirit? We walk by the Spirit of God. So consider, maybe you have your, the notes out and you have a pen and you think about, as you watch this, what stood out along the way for me? What was a course correction or a slight adjustment that helped me in my life? Let's watch this together. The gospel is this. The gospel is Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. So we're going to study and we're going to understand it more. But if somebody says, hey, what's the gospel? How do you define the gospel? And you want to just say it in really a simple way, just say one word, Jesus. The true gospel, it's the work of Christ for me alone. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. The false gospel, it's something I do. It's some effort I make. And it may be a good effort, and it may be well-intended, but it is a false gospel. When you take your life and your actions and your thoughts and your deeds and you put them up against what God is asking us and how God is asking us to live, we fall short every single time. The law completely exposes our inability to hustle our way into our own salvation. Could we, could there be some of us in this room that are living lives that look good on the outside, but we've actually never placed our trust fully in Jesus Christ? That we have just been doing this thing called Christianity in church, but we've believed a fake news. We're not here to be perfected by the flesh. Sometimes I live by a checkbox Christianity. This is my legalism. Oh, every day, God, I've got to pray. Every day, check. I've got to read your word. If I don't read the word, I'll probably have a terrible day. Then I need to meditate and really make that personal for me. Have I done that? Okay, I've done that. Check. I need to go to church at least once a week. Because I want God to love me and think I really do. I want him to know I care about him. And then finally, I need to journal really deep thoughts. So that when I die, someone reads it, they'll say, wow, Dave was really deep. Let's write a book on what I I want it to be so impressive. I want God to be so impressed with the thoughts that I had that he gave to me. He said, oh, Dave is one of my special children. It's craziness. Let's check box Christianity. I've checked all the boxes for you, God. Today ought to be a great day because I've checked all the boxes for you. Now I'm going to go do my own thing. Now, 
That's a false gospel. I live in the gospel of his grace that gives me freedom from that kind of legalistic effort to somehow gain his favor. Life under the law, there's a sense of bondage. Life under the law, there's an impersonal relationship with God, and it's motivated by a desire for reward or out of a fear of punishment. And when you are living under the law, you're constantly looking and you're saying, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. And so it gives you anxiety about your standing with God. Life under the promise is completely different. It's not a life of confinement, but it's a life of freedom. It's not an impersonal, but it's a personal relationship with God. And you're not living in this anxiety of what's going to happen to me if I don't do A, B, and C, if I don't keep the law. But there's a maturity of our character. This passage actually has a lot of uh, the answer to the big question. Do we have to follow the law, you know, to be saved and to live? Or do we have complete freedom and liberty? Well, no, like that would be the deeds of the flesh. Like total, complete freedom and liberty is the deeds of the flesh. And then you have the law. But really the answer then, because what it seemed is just kind of like, you know, what's, what's the answer? What's the answer? It's here. It's the Spirit. It's walking by the Spirit. It's keeping in step with the Spirit of God is really how we live this gospel of freedom out. Oftentimes, all of us, we think that we're making the good decisions and we're making the wrong ones. And we let sin take a hold of us and we fall into this. And then our friends, those who are spiritual, say, we need to restore this person. So they show up at your door. Where's the sinner at? And they take you and they start beating you. They take a Bible, they start hitting you over the head with it. And you think, this is not the way to restore me. The way to restore me is to come alongside me and say, something has gone wrong. I'm here to help. Let's talk about it. We need to figure out what is wrong and begin the slow process to restoring you to a spiritual relationship with Jesus. In a way of gentleness, we need to restore those who are caught in sin. And so then the role of the church, of us, the church, not pastors and all that, the church, the, the body of believers gathered here, us as a church, when we see a friend who is looking to something other than Jesus, we lovingly pray for them and we help them to say, hey, keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Don't let sinful behavior, whatever it may be, be a cause to withdraw from people who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fake faith is built on incidental things that God says are unimportant. Genuine faith is built on foundational truths that God says are timeless and are worth giving your life for. Let us be about the latter. God is speaking these words to us today, not just as individuals, but as a group. And he says to us, don't give up grace for religion. Don't give up your gospel mission for consumer comfort. And don't give up truth for the sweet words of false teaching. What God, through his son Jesus, is putting on the table for every one of us today is that your current story can become your former story. And everything can change because of that. This is the gospel of freedom, and this is the gospel of grace. He didn't want any of us to ever doubt his love, 
and his eternal destiny that he has secured on our behalf. Don't ever have the sense of doubt. Because when there is doubt, it means that my salvation is based upon something I do to gain the favor of God. And the book of Galatians is totally opposed to that. Because my salvation is built only upon the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus and his kingdom who came to rescue us, that we were in chains. Some of us are in chains, enslaved to our sin. And when we trust in Jesus, then we are free. We are set free. We are rescued. And we are now part of his kingdom. And then we live our lives then each day under his rule because he is the king. If we're in the kingdom, he's the king. And we live our lives under that rule and reign of him as our king. We are to be people who are living out the spirit-filled life in real life. We are to be people who are restoring sinners in gentleness. People who are helping the burdens with the burdens of others. We are to be sharing with our leaders. And more than anything, we are to be loving everyone. It's interesting to me that Paul is saying to the Jew and to the Gentile, and now he says to the Chinese and the Hispanic, to all the rest of us, that our identity is not in our culture, it's not in our language, it's not in our generation, it's not in our gender, it's not in our age. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. Because as we live the life of Christ, that's the most powerful influence in the world today. But I challenge us, let us not just be people who sit here and are comfortable, but say, God, give me a vision of how I can be changed by the gospel and then love like you, Lord Jesus, across all cultures, generations, whoever, because we want to see that God reaches Orange County and the world for Jesus Christ through us. Amen? It's a little funny to say amen back to myself, but you know, hey. uh, <laughs> but it's awesome just to see all of that and to remember, you know, what God has done with us over these last few months, each day, each week, just kind of slowly as we've learned uh, here and there along the way. So we want to remember. We want to remember. We don't want to forget, but we also want to be people who celebrate, who celebrate God and who celebrate what God has Done. And so let's even look into Psalm 145. Psalm 145, 6 and 7. You see here these words. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, O God, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. These words are saying that we celebrate the goodness of God. We remember it, but we also celebrate and we sing about it. We shout about it joyfully, about how great God is, about what he has done in our lives, but really just who God is. And so we glorify him and we thank him and we celebrate who he is and what he has done. And we want to take time to celebrate what God has done in our church, but also in the lives of people in our church. And so we'll have some time. We have a, a couple people that are going to share just a bit of their story. And the first that I'd like to welcome up is Ray Patera. Let's welcome up Ray Patera. Ray, Ray is our uh, stewardship pastor here at Calvary, but 
Ray's had a bit of an adventure this summer. And so, Ray, if you could just tell everybody just a little bit of what happened in your life this summer. Well, first off, it's good to be here. It's uh, good to be anywhere because on May 23rd, I had a stroke. So some of you, that's old news. For some of you, that's brand new. So uh, it's an interesting journey even today. Yeah. So what, what happened then when you had a stroke? What happens to you or what specifically happened to you? Well, I was, uh, it was a regular Tuesday evening getting ready to go to a class as a student. I wasn't teaching. Um, I was typing at my keyboard, and I just started, my right hand started making a lot of typing mistakes. And I thought it just had been sitting wrong and maybe got a cramp or something, and uh, it wasn't that. So uh, I didn't think anything of it. Went to my class, and I was, as I was interacting with a couple of people, I realized I was really having to concentrate to get the words out. And uh, it got a little disconcerting, so I excused myself, went back to my desk, Googled stroke symptoms, <laughs> and I had two out of the ten. So, but I still, I still wasn't convinced. So um, for you medical professionals out here, here's where you give me the first head slap. <laughs> I drove home. <laughs> Not a good and, idea. Uh, yeah. Got yeah. home, yeah. told Judy what's going on, took a couple aspirin, laid down. And uh, God is so gracious because uh, he revealed to me, yeah, you could get better, but you wouldn't have the advantage of the miracle drug. It's called TPA. Yeah. Or you could get a whole lot worse and still have a 30-minute drive to Kaiser Sand Canyon. So uh, we went there, and that's when a whole new set of experiences and uh, blessings started to come hmm. into play. Okay, so you are in this moment, and you're, you're having a hard time even speaking and remembering things, and your hands aren't working. I mean, think about, I mean, just kind of, I want you, you all to sort of put yourself in that, that mindset of these things happening to you, and it's, and, and you're in the hospital, and so how did you see sort of God's hand at work in you in the hospital? Well, first off, Judy was there, and for those of you who know Judy, she uh, uh, brings a calming presence to any situation that she's in, so mm-hmm. that, that was, the Lord really used that. Yeah. Um, they gave me the drug, and within 30 minutes, my hand was fine. My speech was recovered. I was ready to go home. Uh, but because you can bleed to death from this stuff, they keep you up for 24 hours. But our, uh, my ER nurse, they were wheeling me to get an MRI, and uh, I'm half listening to what's saying, half thinking about the obvious. <laughs> and uh, she's going on with this orderly about how she's looking for a husband of the same faith so she can have a, a greater walk and have a, a blessed mess, uh, marriage. And he's saying, ah, you can believe what you want. He can believe what he wants. You'll be just fine. So I'm watching this ping pong game going on, right? Taking notes. So we get back to the room, and I find out that she's going to a, a mega church close by, but she's having a hard time plugging in. And I said, I know somebody who works there. You need to call. That's Laura Copeland. So uh, that is where the first remember came in, where I realized in the midst of this big event, life event, Yeah. the Lord is going to use that for me to be able to touch someone's life. And I need to be ready for the opportunities that may come. And in the military, mm. they teach and train us a lot about how to stay in the fight when something happens. Mm. And I realized, ding, <laughs> I need to be watching for the opportunities that come. Yeah. I just think about, okay, you're... Your hands aren't working. Your speech is slurred and not working well. Your memory is 
getting fuzzy, and yet you're helping someone get a little deeper connected at their home church. <laughs> I think it's awesome, right? Uh, and, and at the same time, you're, you're, you're fighting for, you know, I mean, maybe not your life as much at this moment, but at this full recovery, right? At a, at a recovery that could be full. So how have you continued to see God at work through all this? That's a, that's a great point. Uh, there have been many touch points that he's, uh, he's given me. And, uh, but one of the most uh, pronounced ones is my speech therapist. Um, she had a long sleeve blouse, but I know she had a tattoo on her wrist. And uh, I recognized it was a, a cross, a very ornate one. And I asked her about it, and she got very, very secretive about it and started to, to cover it up. And she says, well, what do you know about that? And I said, well, I, I know that some people take it willingly, and some people it's forced upon them. So, like, if you're a refugee in some camps, and she says, well, I'm a Coptic Christian, and, uh, but I don't really follow the faith, and my dad is a priest at a Coptic Christian church. And that led to a conversation about the experiences we've had here at Calvary Church with uh, refugees who've come here seeking religious asylum and how Emergency Needs Fund has helped them. And uh, that led to a conversation, well, my dad would love to talk with you because we deal with that every day and we need help. Mm. So there was another way that we've had an opportunity to reach out. And then we had a chance to talk about Jesus Christ and the role he plays in our lives. And she was really pretty detached. So we're still having that conversation. Wow. That, that really is, I think, just amazing. And so just, you know, we don't just only remember and celebrate all the big things, but we, like, or even all the good things, I guess. But it's remembering and celebrating how mm-hmm. God had his hand upon you in the midst of that got you to the hospital to receive the medication that you needed, but then also opened up these opportunities mm-hmm. for ministry that you stepped into faithfully. So we remember yeah. and celebrate that with you. And so I just say thank yeah. you, Ray. Okay? Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, let's give him a hand. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we remember some of these things that took place in individuals' lives. We also want to remember and celebrate some of just the cool things that have happened in our church over the summer. There's been all sorts of fun events, but also great ways that we've seen people serving and lives transformed through trips like Hume Lake and Houseboat and also mission trips to places like Albania, baptisms, VBS. And so let's uh, remember and celebrate that together as we watch this. We turn our hearts and fix our eyes. We Sophia and 
I really like VBS. This week at VBS, I've learned that I'm special in God's eyes rather than what other people think of me. They could put me down, but I have to know that God thinks I'm special because he made me. And he made me for a purpose, and I should just live my life for him rather than doing it for what others say. I met um, Jesus for myself last week at Hume Lake, and I got to be here in an environment where I get to serve and I don't feel forced to serve. And being here dancing around and being inside with the kids is just amazing and great. Um, like, it's amazing like how I met him for the first time, and now I get to go and share it with the other kids here. Yeah, we're all here for a purpose, and God is the one true God that we should be, be living with. Welcome to Albania! We have beautiful bread! publicly uh, show our commitment of putting our old self behind us and and showing that we have committed our lives and continue to follow God and live for Him, uh, serving Him in whatever ways that He wants to, us to serve Him.
church I got baptized at um, and so I have been getting closer with Calvary and serving and I just decided that this was the church that I wanted to be in community with and wanted to commit to as well when I got baptized. So good. Those are lives transformed. Lives transformed for Jesus. And so we celebrate. We remember and we celebrate. And you know, um, even all the houseboats, all the houseboat video just looks like it's all fun and games. But some, some deep stuff is happening in the lives of people that go on the houseboat. We want to hear from one of them. And so Lexi Canner, if you come on up, let's welcome Lexi. Now, and Lexi, you did a lot more than just houseboat. You've actually been an intern for us this summer. So why don't you just share with everybody a little bit of what you did this summer with Calvary? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so this summer I was a middle school intern. So that meant going to Hume and also going to Poolside and just like hanging out and getting coffee <laughs> and all that. And I also, like you said, was a student that went to houseboat and got to see all those people just get absolutely wrecked on <laughs> the back of Rick's boat. So yes, it was great. Yes, that is Elder Rick Bergstrom yeah. sitting right there. <laughs> Is the one that does the damage to everyone, and uh, I've been on the receiving end of those, and it's, it's sometimes fun and mostly painful, but it's, yeah, it's good, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you were a counselor at Hume Lake, uh, so in a cabin with all these girls, and tell us just a, a little bit about uh, what happened in your cabin this summer. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I had a group of seventh and eighth grade girls, and they were some of the most beautiful inside and out, mm. um, goofy, adorable group of girls. And it was so awesome to just like hang out with them and talk with them. And I remember there was one night that we were like all hanging out in the cabin, and I ended up having to like step out just for a moment to deal with some leader stuff. And in that one moment I was gone, 
my girls had like circled up and like gotten in this really intense circle and like some of them were just like I don't know they were just like all sitting in the circle so that when I came back into the room it was like a very intense quiet like kind of you're moment worried something's wrong or something? I was worried something was yeah, wrong okay. I was like okay normally you're eating candy and you're like all straight <laughs> on your beds yeah. and like doing crazy things and laughing and giggling yeah. and this is a really intense moment and so I came in and I sat down and I said what's going on? Like, what's up? And um, some of them are like crying. And I was like, hey guys, what, did, what just happened? Like, tell me what just happened. And they said to me, well, we just shared some of our stories and sharing the things that led us to this moment. And a lot of my girls had some very intense, just like really hard things that had led them to this moment mm. at Hume. And they decided to share with each other. And I looked over to one of my girls and I said, why are you, like, why are you crying? What's, tell me what's going on in your heart. Mm. And she said to me, I just, want, I just want everybody here to know how much I love them and also how much Jesus loves them. And just like her ability to point it back to Christ at the end was just so awesome to see. Yeah. And I, I, as a leader, was just so blessed to experience that week with yeah. them and just see God work for sure. Yeah, and, like, and remember and celebrate that these 7th and 8th grade girls are gathering on their own and praying for each other and sharing their story. And it, I think that should be encouraging to all of us. Now, you had your own stuff this last year. And then so your experience at Houseboat, um, tell me just a little bit about what happened there. Yeah, so um, the last year of my life has been um, not hunky-dory, let's say. Um, my, so I graduated in 2016, and right after that, my parents actually ended up getting a divorce, which I took very, very hard. Yeah. Um, and it was... Um, it led to a lot of personal and just like emotional drama that I didn't necessarily know how to deal with. Mm -hmm. And um, I lost a lot of like relationships because of it, like um, friendships actual relationships and other yeah. things like that and in the middle of it you go away to and college, the, in the right? middle of it I yeah. went away to college yeah. and just felt so alone and forsaken by God and I kind of used it as a tool as to be like I don't want to be with you God I put it as a shield in between me and God and just like made it so I like made myself feel alone and separated myself from God and um it kind of came to this point, and then I decided that, like, going to school wasn't for me. Going away to school, at least, wasn't for me, and decided to come home. And house, I went to Houseboat, just, like, randomly ended up signing up and going. And um, the theme for Houseboat was anchored in grace and driven by love. And um, I remember there was one night where Kat was speaking about what is stopping you from receiving God's love, and what is stopping you from actually accepting it. And I had to, like, sit and think about that. And I started to realize that this thing that had happened to me that was very painful and was very emotional was this thing that was stopping me from receiving God's love. Mm. And um, I let it become my identity when it shouldn't have. Mm. And in the middle of that, there was a worship song playing, um, and it was the lyric, the like, exact lyric that I kind of like, came to this moment um, was, at the cross I lay your, my burdens at your, at your feet, sorry, where mm. your love pours out. And I was just like, you know what? I have this huge burden that, like, you need to take. And yeah. I want my identity to be loved by you. Like, that's it, yeah. God. And so I gave it all up to him. And I, like, burst into tears and tried to hide it from all my friends. But <laughs> all of them knew. And it was just, it was an amazing moment, for uh, sure. Yeah, it's so good. It's just so good for us to see, like, you know, the, w the things that we remember and celebrate, right, as we talk about this. It's not just those times that are 
you know, everything going great or even all the middle schoolers just doing everything perfect on their own, you know, but it's also like the hard things that we have in our lives and the way that we can surrender those to the Lord. And so I just like to say, I celebrate what God did and what you've done. And just, we're so happy for you and just thankful for you, Lexi. So thank you. Yeah. Let's give her a hand. Yeah. Good job. It's awesome. It's amazing so great just to, to hear, you know, God at work and to celebrate it. So that's what we wanted to do. And, you know, I, I do want to say here, too, in this moment that all of this stuff, you know, that we've talked about today, whether it's sort of Sunday morning church or if it's things like Houseboat or Hume or mission trips or VBS that we can offer for free to our community, and all of that stuff is is by the power of God, but it also is through the generosity of our church and of you. And so we're thankful. We're so thankful for the way that the generosity of God's people is able to help make all of that happen. And so we just, we say thank you. And, you know, we want to celebrate that. Celebrate that we're able to do these things because people continue to be generous. Um, And so I want you to even think about now your own life. To take a moment to consider your own life. To remember and celebrate what has God done in your life, whether that's this summer, this year, or or whatever season that you want to think through. But just to be reflective, to be thinking back and remembering, remembering what God has done in you. And then we celebrate it. So there's even some space in the bulletin there if you want to write some thoughts uh, as we go into a time of communion. Because communion, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, communion is the way that we remember and celebrate what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so we're going to take that time now to remember. I mean, Jesus even says, do this in remembrance of me, right? So as we eat of the bread and drink from the cup, we remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We remember that the cost, that the price was high. It was a high price, and Jesus paid it willingly. So we remember and we celebrate, right, what God has done for us. So let me pray, and as the the elements are passed, just to hold and to wait and to reflect, and then I'll come back up after a song and and then lead us as we take from the bread. Okay, let's pray together. (sighs) Heavenly Father, we, we are grateful people. We are thankful for what you have done. We're thankful for what you did on the cross, Lord, as you gave of your body and shed your blood. We're also so grateful for the ways that you have worked in this summer in our church family. God, we're thankful for Ray and Lexi and just the many other stories that we could tell of of your hand upon people's lives, transforming, changing, drawing us closer to you, Lord. And so here in this moment, though, Lord, we remember the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. All of us have gone astray, turning 